Welcome to Seeking Alpha's Wall Street Breakfast, your daily source of market news and analysis. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Welcome to Seeking Alpha, Alpha Talks Editor's Roundtable. What moved markets this week, the week concluding Friday, October 8th. What a tumultuous week it was. We had some selling at the start of the week, and we were down and seemingly preparing for a recession until the debt ceiling talks were resolved in D.C., and that led us on a rally that has continued through today. Of course, the big news of the week was the non-farm payrolls this morning, which came in short of estimates, but apparently not short enough for the Fed to call off their uh, tapering of bond purchases or at least that's what the conventional wisdom is saying at this time. So it will be interesting to see what my colleagues here on the panel have to say about all of this. And they are, in no particular order, Brad Olison, VP of News, Stephen Alfer, Managing Editor of Breaking News, Kim Khan, Senior News Editor. He's back from vacation. Welcome back, Kim. And I am your host and moderator, Nathaniel E. Baker, Senior Editor of Strategic Contributors here at Seeking Alpha. So he's back from vacation, and let's kick it over to him right away. Kim, give us the big picture view of what moved markets this week. Well, we had all the um, kind of doom and gloom, as you said, at the start of the week, and it suddenly just kind of switched around and it didn't take too much. It took um, McConnell um, offering this deal to the Democrats on the, on the debt ceiling. You know, it took um, some just some jawboning from Putin on natural gas prices to um, take away the energy crisis headlines, and um, you know came into day looking for a solid non-farm payrolls report didn't happen. The yeah headline number missed by a large margin. Had labor participation rate uh, dropping, which was a concern, but you also had a substantial gain in, in private payrolls which um, you know, a lot of people are saying is keeping the Fed on track for announcing in November that it's ready to taper. And uh, I think you know, we're looking at the S&P going into the payrolls there, it's, it's, it's still up for the week now. And going in, all 11 of the S&P sectors were up. And you wouldn't have thought that if you <laughs> watched all the headlines this week. And looking over to, to the bond market, it's been a steady rise again. And now we're above 1.6% on the 10-year Treasury yield. And still stocks are get, managing to get some traction. Hmm. Well, this all begs the question who the bigger, biggest winners and losers were in stocks. Brad, take us through that. Yeah, so as, as kind of Kim indicated, even though we did have that deep sell-off at the beginning of the week, um, you know, we did see that resurgence among all these big crises kind of going out the window. And I think that's, it, it kind of dovetails well with even the most bearish on, on Wall Street, uh, reserving some of their judgment. Mike Wilson and Morgan Stanley, he's been out kind of cautioning uh, a lot of investors recently about where the S&P is expected. Um a note at the beginning of the week basically says he's reserving judgment until the third quarter earnings season bears out. Um, you know, we'll, we'll start to see that when banks kick us off next week. Um, the middle of the week is, is kind of the unofficial start of earnings season, although it doesn't pick up um, until a week or so after that. And, you know, coincidentally, the financials were the second best performer um, this week as as interest rates continue to rise, um, you know, as Kim kind of mentioned, the 10 year above 1.6% uh, for the first time in quite some time. Um, and then you obviously the energy crisis, although the headlines have kind of abated, 
that didn't stop energy from holding most of its gains that we've seen over the past couple of weeks and, and, and therefore energy did uh, end the week as the top performer. So with that, that means Marathon Oil, Diamondback Energy, Pioneer Natural, Apache Oil, and even Refiner Phillips 66 were among the top winners this week uh, in the S&P 500. Um, and along the same vein of, of higher energy prices, what does that do? That leads, you know, we've seen all the headlines about electric vehicles. Ford uh, issued one of its forecasts for electric vehicles and, and its cruise system, which is their hands-free driving technology, which should it should help expect double their revenue. Um, over the next few years. And so Ford was also one of the top performers, uh, ironically, with a, with a strong energy uh, market in tow. Uh, on the flip side, uh, you, you saw a more bullish analyst uh, at JP Morgan, uh, Lacas Pujas, uh, pointed to the fact that the S&P has a lot of support, um, equities have a lot of support still, even though we saw that panic selling at the beginning of the week, he estimates that we have about three and a half billion dollars in buybacks to expect from corporates that's per day, uh, which puts somewhat of a floor under equities, consumer balance sheets are healthy. And so, you know, even though we saw that the shock moves in the S&P 500, there, there are a lot of strong fundamentals that are underpinning this market, which would kind of explain why we're towards, in, you know, towards some of the highs. Uh, recently, unemployment, we saw that print today, uh, 4.8%. If you would have, you know, fast rewind maybe a few years, 4.8% would be considered full employment. Um, although, you know, things have, have dramatically changed recently and participation rate decline, et cetera. Um, and on the downside specifically with certain names, Moderna, uh, that big winner all year long, uh, the, the biggest loser in the S&P. Um, they, Coming off the back of that Merck pill that we discussed late last week, there's still some weakness there. There were some reports of their vaccine being linked to higher heart inflammation issues. And there were also some of the Nordic countries like Sweden, Finland, and Denmark are, are kind of putting the kibosh on, on giving the vaccine, the Moderna vaccine to some of the younger, younger cohorts. And also some of these, these reopening names, American Airlines, uh, also among the biggest losers. But that's just more idiosyncratic. Uh, Goldman Sachs was out with a downgrade on some of the airlines, cautioning against these higher fuel costs that we're seeing. Again, that energy theme kind of making its way um, throughout the market. Right. Yes. And uh, you touched on supply chains. That is one potential overhang that people are looking at for earnings uh, that start next week. Uh, you know, potentially higher prices for wages and goods also working their way into corporate earnings, all things that we are going to want to keep an eye on. All right, Stephen, what were you watching this week on the corporate news side of things? Well, more, more from a general market perspective, I was, uh, you know, we're up for the week. We're up 1% for the week as we speak here on uh, midday Friday after after Monday's, you know, really panicky action. Uh, and I'm reminded of uh, Peter Lynch, the great fidelity fund manager who, who remarked that Mondays are always kind of like, the worst days for sell-offs because people they spend their weekend or their Sunday reading the scary headlines in the newspapers and watching the maybe the, the news shows a little bit, watching 60 minutes, right? And they come in and they hit the sell button Monday. And uh sure enough, it's kind of the Peter Lynch effect once again that three days later it's all forgotten and the market's nicely up this week. But clearly to me, the big news is 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 oil continuing to make new highs. Uh we've talked about it a few times on this show. There's been a dearth of capital into the sector uh, for any number of reasons, the ESG mania being one of them, uh, low prices, you know, crushingly low prices last year being another one of them. Uh, so who could have thunk it, right? No capital, nobody wants to explore for oil and, and the economy rebounds and all of a sudden oil prices explode. Uh, the risk here is that the move higher in oil has been 
not kind of contained? What, you know, what happens if they really explode to the upside like they did kind of in the, in the mid-2000s there? Kyle Bass noted that call options or options are trading on uh, December 2022 oil struck at $200 a barrel. What happens if we, if those start to not necessarily become in the money, but there's a chance that they could have some value. Uh, it really could put the kibosh on the, uh, on the economic recovery. We haven't heard any sort of commentary around shale and fracking, right? Mm. That, that was the long, that was the whole reason why we had some of this energy price collapse when all this investment in the U S came online, once crude hit a certain price. Right. So maybe right. the market forces will come in and, and, and right. kind of bring that new supply back online, assuming you have some political will and, and otherwise to allow that to happen. Yeah. And that stuff doesn't happen overnight, by the way, he's got, you, right. you have to raise capital for that stuff. And, and you, you got to start the projects up again. You just can't flip a switch. Well, the uh, energy energy on. prices now are, I mean, the, the stocks are, are, have, have recovered quite a bit. Maybe they can go out in the market and raise some money. Yeah. And uh, I would also, you know, for fans of renewables, and we're all fans of renewables, uh, you need high, you want high oil prices, right? I mean, solar panels have the value of hockey pucks if oil's at 40 bucks a barrel, but with oil at 80 bucks or 100 bucks a barrel, all of a sudden those, those solar panels have a lot of value. We got the uh, traditional SBR talk. So we did get that. But also JP Morgan's Marco Kolonovich is saying that he thinks, you know, it's the uh, stock market and economy can function with 130, 150 oil, just fine. In function. Sure. But yeah, there, there was just a, a great item. I think late last year in, in the, in the, during the, the peak of the pandemic, where the lack of commuting that people were had during the lockdown and work from home was almost like an $800 billion uh, tax cut to the economy because people weren't spending money on, on commuting. Yes, there are first line responders. There are a lot of people who still do commute and still do go to work. But by and large, for the economy, it was a huge, huge savings not having to, to, mm. to go in. So, you know, the, the work from home economy may still be able to function or at least provide less demand pressure um, along the supply chain. Yeah, until they see their energy prices for electricity and things like that. Anyway, let's move on to the next segment of the show where we discuss our favorite stories, Seeking Alpha articles and other things that we've seen over the course of the week. We had quite a bit this week. Again, Elon Musk moving to Florida, Kathy Wood moving to Texas. Maybe it's the other way around, I don't know. But whatever, they're both moving. And uh, a bunch of other stuff too. Elon Musk saying he wants to manufacture cars on Mars. And so, yeah, so let's see what, what uh, curious what, what we have to cover this week. Uh, Kim, why don't you start us? I want to stick with the uh, scary headlines theme just because uh, I think it illustrates how, how um, jumpy markets are and how difficult they're, how they're finding, you know, just assessing the recovery economy at the moment. I think they're ready to believe the worst. And a good example is, as I spoke about earlier, is natural gas. You had natural gas prices in Europe up 40% um, opening one day. Putin comes out and says, we'll supply more natural gas to Europe, and uh, they close down. So, you know, and that's without any specifics. Um, it's Putin, whether you want to believe him or not. Um, even if you want to look at the fundamentals, uh, Russian gas stockpiles are pretty low, so they'd have to stock up before they could even start shipping to Europe. So just based on that, then, you know, that was enough to, to wipe out a 40 percent gain. 
Um, and then you look at the debt ceiling and, you know, there, there's a lot of talk. Oh, this is, you, you know, the usual um, phony theater that we're seeing from both sides. They'll get it done. We don't have to worry about it. But if you looked at the T-bills market, there was real panic with the you know holders trying to just figure out what's the date that the government might run out of money and not pay what I'm holding. And there, so there's like an, an October 21st expired payment T-bill that then with people like kind of gauging and arbitraging that on an October 18th or 19th deadline that Yellen was giving that just had the market going haywire. So yeah, as I said, I think there is trouble figuring out exactly where the economy is heading still. Yeah, and what the market will terms will determine to be relief uh, opportunities as well. Like I didn't think this debt ceiling debate would be much of everything. They always always resolve these things at the eleventh hour, and so it was kind of curious to see that rally there on whatever day it was, Wednesday, once that was resolved. All right, uh, Brad, what about you? Just going with a lighter theme um, than doom and gloom from Kim. My my favorite story was around a firm. This is the buy now pay later firm. You know, started by a PayPal mafia. You know, you talked about Elon Musk earlier. We got to keep that theme. Max Levchkin, you know, this is a recent IPO. The stock popped within the first couple of months of being a public company. Um, it is yet to kind of reclaim its intraday highs, but today it's flirting with its all time closing high. And that's after basically hitting all the right market keynotes over the past few months, right? They, they said, we're now going to accept Bitcoin that'll send your shares soaring. You have a positive partnership with Amazon, that'll send your, your shares soaring. And then you go with, I guess this this week is, is Target. I think everyone loves Target. Um, that was the, the latest uh, move higher. And so now you're looking at a 100% move in the stock since uh, September 1st. So not a bad time to be, to, you know, to, to buy that stock and uh, keep that stock rather than pay, pay for it later. But, you know, I thought that was just kind of interesting that they managed to hit all of these keynotes. I, I think the only thing that was lacking was the fact that they might be able to buy marijuana now and pay for it later. We'll see if uh, we'll see if they'll incorporate some of that with any of these multi-state operators. Hmm. Yeah. Nobody's talked about Facebook yet. Stephen, go ahead. Not going to talk about it. My All favorite right. story was was Charlie Munger, who manages the uh, portfolio for Daily Journal. Uh, he heavily bought the the big dip in Alibaba. Munger said some comments. You know, he might be a little too simpatico with with kind of the authoritarian authoritarian leadership in Beijing. Uh, but him and Warren Buffett do know how to buy a regulatory induced dip, going all the way back to American Express and Salad Oil or or Bank of America more recently. Munger, you know, bought Alibaba. I expect he'll be uh, very well rewarded for buying that dip uh, already uh, today. Uh, the Chinese food delivery giant, it's Meituan, is that if I'm pronouncing that right? Um, they were another one of those uh, big China uh, new economy companies that were under regulatory fire. Uh, they settled for for what amounts to a little more than a wrist slap. Wasn't it five hundred million dollars? Right, which is a oh, you know, for Stephen, that's a risk. <laughs> yeah, Stephen's rolling I with mean, the crypto. Yeah, versus, versus the cash they have in their balance right, sheet exactly. or, or what they're worth. Yes, it's small. Um, you know, you could consider it similar to you know J.P. Morgan pay, paying out a few billion to make the Feds go away or Bank of America, yeah. and then it's onward and upward from there, right? You, you know, you you satisfied the bureaucrats, you you kind of fell on your sword a little bit as management, and then then you just move on with your business. Um, so K-Web, which is the um, kind of the proxy for Chinese new economy internet companies, 
uh, had a very good week this week. I think it's up about 4% as we speak from, from a low base. It's gotten hammered, but that was an interesting story to me. Yeah, Baba is ubiquitous, right? And, and you would think that there's a solid business there and that, like you said, Munger knows what he's doing. But sometimes this guy, it seems like he's determined to kind of destroy his, uh, his reputation here in the waning years of his life with some of the stuff he's saying about China and others. But whatever, we'll, we'll see. And, and who knows? Yeah, but for me, I want, let's switch gears here a bit. I want to go back into the well of the pro articles, uh, Seeking Alpha pro editors, of which I am now a member, I guess. And one of the uh, one of my favorite things, which I came across this week, was by um, Money Investor, and they write this piece about D.R. Horton, the largest home builder in the U.S. They say this stock has been unfairly punished by investors. It's down about fifteen percent over the last two months, which I wasn't aware of it dipped that much. But they say that secular tailwinds are still in the company's favor. You know, housing prices continue to grind higher. Mortgage rates are low. Demand for housing is robust and lumber prices are lower and that should help their margins. And they say the analyst community has not factored this in to their estimates and they are expecting an upside surprise when the company reports earnings at some point next month, I believe. And also DHI uh, has been buying back shares. So, and they provide, will provide updated uh, fiscal 22 guidance next month. So a couple of catalysts to look out for there. A uh, very interesting piece. We'll be curious to see how that stock performs into the end of the year. All right. And with that, we conclude that this week's program. Thank you for watching or listening as the case may be. If you want to watch, don't forget to check out, out on the website, seekingalpha.com slash videos slash alpha dash talks. The audio version, potentially slightly longer with a little bit more nuance airs on Saturday morning at 6.30 a.m. You get that through the Wall Street Breakfast podcast account. And with that, we wish you a happy weekend and look forward to speaking to you again next week. That concludes today's Wall Street Breakfast. Thank you for listening. For the best investment analysis and news on the web, go to SeekingAlpha.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can sign up for our other podcasts, Behind the Idea, Essay for FAs, Let's Talk ETFs, the Cannabis Investing Podcast, and Marketplace Roundtable on those platforms as well. Have a great day.